0: has been a good morning, hasn't it? I, I really love self-denial time, um, I love hearing the stories from around the world and how our giving in, in previous years has impacted others. I also love uh, seeing the videos that we're going to see in a, in a few, over the next few weeks, to see the opportunities that our giving can unlock for people, for others, overseas. It's exciting, isn't it? We get to be a part of the work of the Salvation Army in South Africa and Sri Lanka and all those sorts of places and um, it's great. I really love the the bass drum, how cool is that? Can I just have someone's hand, does anyone know that story? Who do I have to come and see for that story afterward? Anybody have a clue? Right, so I'm going to ask God and I'll come back to you with the answer next week and we'll find out how, in heaven's name, our drum ended up in Sri Lanka praise God. What an incredible morning. But I have to bring to you some research. Everyone's making, I feel like this mumble going on, everyone's kind of making up the story. Uh, if you have a particularly interesting story after that you've made up and you would like to share, I, I'm happy to hear that as well and uh, we shall write that in the history book. Now, I have to share with you some research. I read a newspaper article which, uh was all about a whole bunch of research that was uh, was conducted by a whole lot of different centers. It all came out around 2015 through to 2017, and these were all studies in selfishness. And uh, I want to begin with the first study from the Pew Research Center in the United States, where they found that children who were born and grew up in a religious uh, in a religious way, so like me and, and many of you, are less philanthropic than secular children, and people who've grown up in in secular homes, isn't that a challenge? That makes me think, I'm a fifth generation salvo, I don't know how I give anything to anyone. I think that uh, it gives me pause for thought, and I think it's good, a reminder as to why we do these things regularly, why we talk about giving regularly, because it's an important part of life. Another another study uh, done by Harvard, uh, well Harvard among others, I think the London School of Economics collaborated with this and so on in 2016, was a study which found that men and women are different, (laughs) glad they worked that out in 2016. But particularly when it comes to being selfish, I, I struggle to tell you this, but men are more selfish than women. And the women are woohooing because, like, finally you figured it out. But the good news is that this is not something that's hardwired into the DNA of a man or a woman. This is not something hardwired. the The research found that this is something that is uh, drilled into kids as they grow up. You know, girls are told that you're to grow up to serve others. Men are told you're going to grow up and rule the world. Right? So there's this difference in the way, I mean, it's stereotypes, right? But we are talking about huge populations. And in general, that's why men are considered generally more selfish than women. Another one of the research papers drawn out in this article had to do with airline seating. How many of you travel on an airplane? How many of you prefer the window seat? Hands up if you would prefer the window seat, this is me. Hands up if you prefer the aisle seat. Everyone with a small bladder? Good. How many of you would prefer to rot in hell in the middle seat? That's the worst. I, does anyone really prefer the middle seat? No. Good. I'd say, what's wrong with you? Really? Oh, if it's a parent, you can lie on them. Fine. It, don't try it with strangers. It's not good. But I've got to tell you, those, the research showed that those who prefer the window seat are more selfish than those who prefer the aisle seat. So, I'm a man who prefers the window seat, i got no hope, right? You know the other thing that says, the other research that was found, another, another study found that the more a man, uh, the guys who spend more time in the gym, more, more time bodybuilding, they are more selfish. Than others. Did you know that? There you go, there's research. So, I'm happy to say that I might spend an hour exercising every day, but I don't do it in the gym, so. (laughs) Makes you think though, doesn't it? Now, women, you might think you're getting off a little bit lightly here, but I've got to tell you that uh, another research came out and said that, all things being equal, if the Girl Guides came to sell you cookies, a woman is less likely to buy cookies for the girl from the girl guides than a man is. Isn't that interesting? The same is true of any aid worker, particularly in the red shield appeal. Uh, you'll find Red Shield appeal's coming up, let me warn you. Um, after we finish self-denial appeal, we, we're gonna work on the red shield appeal. But you'll find that women are less likely, according to the research, are less likely to go to someone at the door who's there for charitable purposes. Also, women. If a, if, a, if a woman is out with a, a group of friends and it is her job to cut up the cu- chocolate cake, she'll cut up the chocolate cake, and you know, you never get the co- chocolate cake pieces even, do you? But a woman is far more likely to take the larger piece when sharing it with her friends than a guy would be in the same situation. All the women are going, are you sure? But then they think about it and they go, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to chocolate, it's every woman for herself. So all this research comes out about selfishness and the author of the the newspaper article finished her newspaper article with this quote, ultimately, however, it seems that just about everyone is selfish and there is no exit from the awfulness. On that note, have a nice day. (laughs) It's a great article, Uh, I'll give it to you, it's from The Guardian a couple years ago. Anyway, Uh So it's no wonder over the last few weeks we've been challenging ourselves to be less selfish and more selfless. We want to be good and and true followers of Jesus Christ who said uh, in Matthew 16, 24 and, and other places, He said, whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Me. We want to be selfless and not selfish. So, this is the fourth message in this series, and if this is your first Sunday with us, I'm sure you're very glad you came on a Sunday all about giving money. Um, But, you know, it's all good, it's part of life. And um, on week one, uh, we started by talking about the fact that it sometimes takes a little bit of sacrifice to be bold in the way we speak about our faith, with our family, with our friends and in our community. So, we sacrifice something in being bold, we're being selfless. In week two, we talked about being selfless in the way we act, the way we serve, the way we minister in order to bring about God's kingdom. And last week, uh, James unpacked for us really well this, um, this simple truth that in our society, we, we sp- and, and due to social media and, and all that sort of stuff, we spend a lot of time looking at other people and comparing ourselves. And, and He brought out the truth that says, when we do that, we're actually not focused so much on the other person, we're focused on ourselves. And the more we do this, the more we compare ourselves to others, the more self-focused we become. And so last week, we talked about being more selfless, in focusing less on ourselves and more on others, and being grateful to God for all that He has given us and made us to be. And this week, we are going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about generosity, developing a lifestyle of generosity. And to do that, I want to draw out two images from Scripture. I want to draw out two images. First, the bag. I want to talk about the bag, and I want to talk about the basket. And two approaches to life. The first is the bag. And the bag metaphor, the bag image says there is never enough. There is never enough. A lot of people go through life thinking they never have enough, it's the mindset of poverty, of miserliness, of struggle. And I want to point out that it's not just poor people who are always talking about the fact that they never have enough, it's wealthy people too. Uh, Rebecca mentioned already today, we took a team of teenagers to the Philippines where people gave, where people were generous, and yet they had nothing. They didn't even have floors in their houses. Well, they, they had ground, but not floors. They swept the ground, and yet they gave because they felt they had enough. Haggai, in the Old Testament, describes this mindset. So, let me give you a bit of context. The the people of God have drifted away from God, in the Old Testament. They have let the temple go to rack and ruin, and Haggai's big job is to try and get people to give and, and sacrifice in order to rebuild the temple. But it's really hard, because all these people are living for themselves. They're developing their businesses, they're extending their homes, they're doing all these sorts of things... But they're neglecting God's call in rebuilding the temple. So, Haggai comes along as the prophet and he says this, you eat but do not have enough, you drink but you are not filled with drink, you clothe yourselves but no one is warm and he who earns wages, earns wages to be put into a bag with holes. The self-obsessed Israelites are craving more and more more warmth from more clothes, more drink, more food, more wages, they never feel like they have enough, even though they had food, they had drink, they had clothes, they had wages, it's just that they felt like it wasn't enough. This is what He means when He says, you earn wages, put it into a bag with holes, this tightly drawn bag, but there never seems to be enough, no matter how much they put in there, it seems like there's holes. Do you ever feel like that in your finances? There are holes in the bottom of your bank account? Where does it go? This is the bag mindset that he is talking about, and I want to suggest that people in this country, vast majority of them live this way. Going through life worried sick, stressing out, feeling like they haven't got enough. I'd love to give more, I really would. I'd I'd love to be more generous, but I don't have enough in my bag. I'd love to make a difference. I wish I didn't have to worry about money, but there just isn't enough in my bag. What about the other bag? Um, This bag is the bag that Judas Iscariot held. Do do you know who Judas was, right? Judas was the close disciple of Jesus, one of the twelve who betrays Him, in the end. But his other job was the job of treasurer, he held the money bag. And at some point, he decides or feels like there's just not enough in the bag, not enough in his bag anyway. And so, he decides that he will betray Jesus for an extra 30 pieces of silver. You know, people do some really stupid things sometimes, when they feel like they don't have enough. That is the bag mindset. I don't have enough, stress and worry is all I have. But the second mindset is that of the basket, and the basket mindset says, there is more than enough. There is more than enough. So, John the Baptist was the preacher who came before Jesus he knew Jesus well enough and uh, in fact, he was the one who baptized Jesus. And uh, at this point, Herod's wife decided she didn't like John the Baptist and so Herod had his head cut off and things like that and um, pretty horrific story. But when Jesus hears about it, he's naturally cut up, right? He's naturally upset and he His disciples decide to travel across the other side of Lake Galilee to get away from all the crowds and all this sort of stuff, just to just to process the grief for a bit, right? You know how that would work. But <laughs> I don't know whether the crowds it's Lake Galilee, right? So it's not a small lake, but for somehow the crowds start to pile up on the other side. And as grief stricken as he is, Jesus looks at him and he goes, Ugh. All right. And he has compassion on that crowd. And he says, Okay, you've gathered, you've come out, you've come miles. I'll teach. So, he's, He teaches them, He speaks to them, He heals people there and um, goes, goes late into the evening. And the disciples get to be a bit stressed out because there's all these people, they're miles from anywhere and uh, they haven't got any food to give them. And This is a big deal, there's 5,000 people here. And Jesus says, well, what what have you got? So, they got five loaves, two fish that this little boy offers. And so, Jesus says, well, bring it here, bring it here. And uh, He blesses the food, and He says, serve it. And wouldn't you know it, 5,000 people get fed. It's a miracle. And then He says to the disciples, go and collect up the leftovers, let nothing go to waste. And so, they do, and they find 12 basketfuls of food. I don't know how that works, but it does. It was a miracle. The basketfuls, the basketfuls, when we offer what we have, and we give it the way God commands us to give it, or the way God suggests we give it, or the way God encourages us to give it, we find blessings in return. Here's what Jesus says in Luke 6, give and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, it will be poured into your lap. That's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if you've read The Messenger, but I, I like to look at this uh, from the point of view of a frozen drink, slushies, right? So, you can read that and see how that, un- anyway, go there, read that. Not now, later. The basket mindset says, look, I can give because I know, I, I can give according to God's God's challenge because I know God will take care of me. I have the faith that God will take care, I will do what he calls me to do. I was talking to a friend on Friday, and uh, he told me about a time, uh, he was um, coordinator of emergency services here in Wollongong, so you can probably narrow that down as to what it was, but he told me of a time where uh, they would take the emergency trailer up, some of you might remember, up to the mall, and they would give away, free, just give away to anyone who wanted it, tea, coffee, and bickies. And uh, it was great, until people started to get cranky because they wanted to donate back. They wanted to donate to the Salvation Army and they're like, well, actually we're here for a kind of training exercise, and like, no, 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 get me a bucket. So in the end, they came back with more money, much more money, than it would have cost them to go up there and pay for what they just gave away, isn't that incredible? Time and time again throughout Salvation Army history, you find this, this calling of God to do something in generous, to sacrifice and give. And it comes back in, in amazing, amazing ways. Life is like this. When we obey God, when we develop generosity, when we, we 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 find our lives overflowing in ways we couldn't predict. This is the basket mentality. So the question then is: how do I go from a mentality where I'm always feeling like I haven't got enough to a mentality that says, I can give because I know my basket will be filled. How do we get out of the bag mentality? How do we leave behind the stress and feeling like there is never enough and into one that says it's okay, God will provide? How do we develop that level of faith? Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. So, if we want to develop our our generous life, then we have to work on our thinking and our faith. The first first phrase here, honour the Lord with your wealth. Honour the Lord. You have to begin by acknowledging that all you have comes from God and that He is ultimately in control. That's the first step. And it's a necessary first step, because unless you can come to the point where you believe God will take care of it, where God will take care of you, you won't be really keen to give It's what He calls you to give to, to sacrifice in the way He calls you to sacrifice. Secondly, the second part it says there, with the first fruits of your crops, this is a faith step, It can't be done without believing God will take care of you. It's a challenge of faith. In fact, this issue, the issue of giving and and money and generosity, is the only time in Scripture where God says, test me, challenge me, try me and I will prove it to you. Give and it will come back to you. Test me and see. but it takes faith, doesn't it? It's a challenge. Also, no, the Proverbs doesn't say, oh, I'll just give a portion of your wealth, don't just give give 10%. It says, give the first part. The first part. I knew a guy who used to give, uh, well, more than 10% of his income to the church. But he would do it at the end of the month. He got paid monthly, and he'd, he'd get paid, and then at the end of the month, he would give his 10%, because he felt like, well, God, what, what, if, what if something goes wrong? What if, what if my car breaks down, or, or what if something a water pipe bursts in the house? I need the money to, take, to make it work, to, to figure it out. But you see, that's not giving the first 10%. That's only giving after you know God's taken care of you. There's no faith in that. That's why it says, give the first fruits. Give the first fruits, not the last. Because that is where your faith grows. Because the simple fact is, faith grows from trying it and seeing that it works. I could tell you all day, Stories and other people can tell you all day of stories where they've given generously and they've they've sacrificed and they've just given it over to God and they've received so much blessing in return. They can tell you all day, but unless you try it for yourself, you're not gonna, you, you're not really gonna get it, right? It's not your faith. So the challenge is there over this time to give a week's salary on uh, Osum's appeal, and that's great. But my challenge to you is to give a tenth, the first tenth. It's a massive challenge and it would take a huge step, but that's the challenge. I'm not saying you have to give it to us here in the Salvation Army, I believe truly that we do and, and act in ways God wants us to do and how God is calling us to be, but if you have other, other God calling on your life to give in certain ways, then I challenge you to do whatever it takes to give what God is calling you to give to whatever God is calling you to give to. I know people have projects all around the world that they give to, and that's important. But I want to ask you to challenge yourself and to think about your mindset. Do you go through life always feeling like you never have enough? Always feeling like you're struggling from day to day? Because I want to say that there's a, there's a bit of poison in that feeling. Because that feeling can then flip over into a feeling that I am not enough. You see, I don't have enough can often translate into feeling, I am not enough and that can become quite toxic. I actually think that's where Judas was, felt like he wasn't enough. Anne's going to come, we're going to sing a song because I want you to stop for a while and think about where are you in this story? Are you living a basket kind of life? Is your life a basket case? <laughs> or is your life a bag with holes? How much do you trust God? How much do you feel like your level of faith affects your everyday life and your giving? Challenges there all through Scripture. God, uh, Jesus Himself speaks more about giving and money than He does about heaven or hell. Because He knows how important it is and how much of a hold it can have on us and how much it can prevent our faith. So I want you to spend some time thinking about that. We're going to sing a song entitled, His Provision. And this song I chose because it outlines some of the many blessings that come from living a life of faith of letting go of the feeling that you're not good enough or you don't have enough and instead saying, I'm a basket that God has blessed, full to overflowing. I pray that you would tend the time now reflecting on that and thinking about how you live your life as we sing together.